Hey, everybody. I'm David Rice. I'm the chief editor over at Dentistry IQ. Back again, partner in crime, Dr. Pam, what's hey. happening? You know, it's another Friday, and I'm excited to be recording another webinar with one of our absolute faves, Dr. Joshua Austin. Josh, welcome. What's up? How are you? I'm sad. <laughs> I am too, because it's it's the day that my column is due to you. I have to turn my column into you today, and I haven't done it yet. So that means this afternoon I've, I've got a I've got a T minus six hours to finish it up. Oh my gosh! Then it's a group therapy session because around this time is when all of the articles come in, and I have to sit there for hours and like summarize them for our team. So yeah, I haven't done that yet either. So yeah, no, lot to do, and it's winter time, and it's like dark and kind of, you know, it's just, I don't know. Like, I feel like my team is a little like, you know, sluggish. I mean, nobody likes this like dark 23 hours a day thing. And I don't know. I feel like I could use some Florida or Texas sun. I might have to visit one of you guys. It's 70 degrees here today and, and sunny. Although it's, you know, it's the sun still goes down early, but at least it's, it's pretty weather here today. I'm wearing Sherpa indoors. You see this? I, I noticed do. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a furnace or what what's the deal like what no he isn't paying you enough knows. to keep the heating bill going no well it's funny because senorita likes it cold in the house and since she runs things the house is always freezing so like me and panda apple and poops like we sit there like huddled up together just like trying to have body heat and meanwhile senorita is like sleeping all happy She's and the rest of us yeah. are shivering yeah so cold dark you know all the things is that how she tells you she's sleeping and all cuddly and happy? Is that how she tells you that she likes it cooler inside? No, if she does, if it's too warm, she wakes us up in the middle of the night and she'll be like, yeah. we're like, oh, it's not, it's too hot in here. Or if I'm comfortable in bed and not cold, I'm like, oh man, it's going to be way too hot for her. She's not going to like You it need inside. a bed jet. Have you heard of a bed jet? No, we have a cool mat. It What's a bed jet? So a bed jet goes under your bed and it has this like, it's a square about a foot by a foot, hides under your bed. It's got this sort of hose that runs up and it can blow either hot air or cold air like into your, between your sheets. Ah. So that even if it's cool, like I'd, I prefer the room to be cool, but I want the bed to be comfy. So in the summertime, I have it blasting cold air, but in the wintertime, we'll have it blasting air at like 98 degrees or 99 degrees. Um, and you can put a timer on it and all that kind of stuff. That way, like your environment in the bed is controlled, but the outside environment can be like cool or warm, whatever you want it to be. That sounds like a nightmare because just for her, we would have it blowing cool air all the time. <laughs> we bought her a ceiling fan. So now she's got a ceiling fan above her. We keep it at like 66 for her. And then I would have cool air in the bed too. I'd have to move. I'd have to get my own room. Like I'd have to have like a sauna room. I'm picturing her right now, like, leaning back in like a silk robe like paws up on a like fancy chair going like this is where it's at oh yeah we do everything for her comfort like poor panda is like second class citizen because she's little and she can handle anything and so she even when it's bedtime crawls under the bed and is like down by my knees she like starts down there and then like she works her way to oxygen later because it's so cold in there I, I, if I could only live the life of our pets, Pam, that's, that's my goal in life. I know. I always say that I want to die and come back as rich as cat. You should have seen him. He like was timing the amount of time the cats in the litter pan. He's like, I don't know. I think he's got a problem. He was in there at like 
for 76 seconds. And then he went back in like five minutes and 34 seconds later. And he was in there for like three more minutes. And I was like, it's analytics, Pam. It's data driven cat ownership. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I was like, who are you? This is crazy. I would have been like, yeah, he seems like he's been in the litter pan a couple times, whether it was two or 20, but like, you know, probably a little too much. But no, him, he's like got it all timed and like a full litter pan diary going. And I'm like, that's insane. You're literally building the next PetSmart product right now because it'll be entirely AI driven. Then it will deliver the report and then recommendations based on timing. Yeah. And it could go with that, that pH cat litter that does a diagnosis of cat pee. Doesn't, isn't there a thing? I don't have it, but I've heard that there we not have a, we have all this, but we can't have like a perio probe that can somehow like sense purulence or something like that in it. Like, come on, like, why can't we get this cat technology into, into, into our stuff? Because people will pay for their pets. <laughs> That's I, the, the probe that detects like has a pH in it or a pH monitor in it or whatever that can detect purulence and, and blood and all that stuff. That's let's, we're going to TM that we're going to trademark that right here so that no one steals that idea from us. Like I don't want Florida probe coming out like with some, something new based on our idea. Like you got to cut us in on this Florida probe or whoever, Hugh Freedy, whoever wants to come out with this, like let's collab DM for collabs and exactly. we, can, we can make this happen. It'll be like a pet smart Florida probe probe. There I love we go. It. Yeah. I love it. I like it. So anyway, we were starting this conversation talking about how dark it is and how it's kind of a bummer this time of year. It's like the holidays are over and there's like, unless you have a vacation kind of look something to look forward to, this is kind of a weird stretch of time where a lot of people aren't really loving their lives at this moment. We're like ready for some sun and it's not coming anytime soon. So we thought that having a chat with you, Josh, would be an important thing because I don't know if you guys haven't listened to Josh speak, you should, especially now I've heard you speak on restoratives, marketing, like super fun, love you as a speaker, just in general. But when I heard you speak on mental health and I'm not a crier, I was actually brought to tears and I was so glad it was at our conference because I could go up and hug you after and it wasn't totally weird. So I was like, we need you to talk about this now because we need you right now, Josh. So you need to like make us laugh and like let us know that everyone's feeling this right now. Yeah. So there's actually a, a clinical diagnosis for what you're feeling as far as like the cold, short days. You know, it's dark when you go into the office. It's dark when you leave uh, post-holiday stress. It's called seasonal affect disorder. And it's actually uh, an accepted uh, diagnosis in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders that's put out by the American Psychiatric Association. So what you're feeling is real. This isn't invented. It's actually a real thing. And and it happens to to most of us, unless you live in like, you know, Hawaii or uh, or uh, Tahiti or, or someplace like that, even in Texas, you know, the, it's, it's like you said, it's dark uh, kind of when I'm headed to the office, it's like kind of sunrise-ish. And then you know, if I have to stay late to do anything, you know, past five o'clock, it's generally dark when I get home. And so like exercising after work is hard and all that kind of stuff and all that stuff snowballs like into, uh, you know, when we're not moving our bodies, all that kind of stuff, you know, we, 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 our, our, our cognitive state goes down. But the thing about dentistry is that it doesn't have to be a special season for dentists to be depressed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it year round. Yeah, really good at it. And, and, and it was something that I noticed this is kind of where it started. It's something that I noticed in my life of, you know, just um, a feeling of I worked so hard, 
you know, going through school, going through college, undergrad, all that stuff and going to dental school and then associating and putting in all the work and then starting a practice and then building the practice and getting the practice to be busy. And it's always, it was always like, I'll feel better when this, and then I would get that. And then I feel better when this, and then I'd get that. And then it would go on. Like I finally, at some point realized like that, this treadmill is never going to end. It's if I don't take the time for myself to make myself to put work in on myself, like I'm never going to get there. And I actually started with an email from a patient. So do you guys um, use like a software uh, to, to try to help reactivate patients? Do you guys use anything like this? Like if they haven't been in in a while, it'll like send them an email or a text to try to get them to schedule their profi or their recall. Yes. For sure. I don't know if they have this in the press world. I don't know. I don't, no, they do. Yeah. Yes, of right. course. Right, I'm good. a dentist just like are... everybody else. Well, I mean, I, some prosthodontists don't even have hygienists, so I don't know. Oh God, know. no, I have four of them. I'm like a pros, but I like, what am I? Well, I'm, I'm a pros in, in GP's cheap clothing, whatever that is. A, a preventive, you're a preventive prosthodontist, which I think is like you, you're you're in your own, own world that way. Um, but but we have one and I'm, I'm not going to plug the name right now, but that doesn't matter. But what it does is it sends an alert out to email or text to a patient. Hey, you haven't been in 18 months, make your appointment. And they can unsubscribe if they want, but it asks them a series of questions like an exit interview of why they're unsubscribing. And then it sends us an email so that we can deactivate the patient. And I came to the office one morning and I got this email from our software. Uh, it was a patient named Chris and Chris uh, was unsubscribing. He had left our practice because, and I quote, Dr. Austin just seems so angry all the time. Hmm. And that was like a real shocker to me because I thought I was really good at uh, acting. <laughs> I thought like, <laughs> even though I was angry on the inside and upset and depressed on the inside, I thought I was really good at hiding it. Uh, and it turns out that people could tell. And, and uh, I looked up from my computer in my office and I saw a hole in the wall, a hole in the sheetrock um, that at some point, I don't know, months or years before I had punched through the wall. And I couldn't even remember like why I punched a hole in the sheetrock. Like that, the memory of whatever it was that set me off that much, um, it wasn't even there. And so um, I kind of realized then at that email that like I needed help and I needed to put some work in on, on myself. And so um, at that point I was kind of scared because, you know, I mean, I, Pam, we, we talk about dentistry a, a good amount do you have a group chat like with your old cross residents, like people you went to dental school with, like a group text message? Yeah, of course. Yeah, David, do you? I do not. You don't? Okay. Well, no. I mean, with like with like three guys. Okay. Yeah. That's a so, group text. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. Counts. And, and so I have one with guys, a, a couple, one with guys I went to dental school with, one with guys that are like in the area um, and like fantasy football friends or whatever that, that I'm in a league with. And, um, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff on those group chat chats and like, heaven forbid, David, I'm sure you can probably vouch for this. If, if any of those group chats were ever made, uh, like subpoenaed by a court of law, we, we'd all be just, we'd all be finished. Um, but like, we talk about a lot of stuff, like, you know, what's up with the bills? Why are the bills, uh, you know, like, why can't they, why can't they get it together? What's it, who, you know, who wants to trade for Stefan Diggs in my fantasy league? We talk about. Um, you know, uh, what bonding agent we use or what cement we use or where we're going on vacation, but no, nowhere, anywhere in any of those group chats I'm in had anybody ever once echoed the sentiment of being depressed or burnout or stressed or anything like that. And, and so I felt alone when I realized that, that I was going through these things. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way. I would say once or twice minimum, <laughs> like a week. 
Yeah. When you said you wanted to go to dental school and you would tell people that, what was like one of the first reactions to like people who weren't dentists when they heard that you wanted to go to dental school or that you were in dental school? It's, it's always the same thing. Why? Well, no, it's always like, oh, <laughs> my, everybody thought it was the greatest thing in the whole world on my side who weren't. Well, uh, no, really on okay. my side, people were like, they thought they were going to get free dentistry. They were like, yeah, go do that because we're friends. And then, you know, yeah. like, so I feel like that's, I got a lot of that. No, yeah, my for, side, non-dental people thought, I think that it was like this great accomplishment. And that's why you studied so hard your whole life. If they weren't yeah. in dental. You have supported people in your lives because everyone <laughs> In my life was like, don't dentists have high rates of suicide? That I mean, uh, that was like, you know, and we've all heard that like a million times before, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, like I don't know, maybe. Uh, no, that's an old wives' tale. Like whatever we all say to that, like when we tell somebody we're a dentist at the party. So I, I tried to do some research and figure out, like, like was I alone, and is this stuff true? And so I started doing some research, and and the numbers that I found was actually pretty alarming. So from the CDC. Uh, dentists are two and a half times more likely to die by suicide than the general population, two and a half times. And that's like from like occupational death data at the CDC. Like you can't really argue with it. Just a big spreadsheet of data. There's another study that was done in the Journal of Deviant Behavior. And I, I you know, step aside Journal of Prosthetic Dentistry. Like, why am I reading this one when I could read the Journal of Deviant Behavior? Like, David, would you rather read about feral effect on endodontically treated teeth or deviant behavior? Which one would you rather have? I'm I'm putting it on the phone right now. <laughs> but you subscribe to it on PubMed. It's great. I yeah. can't um, wait to put that in CE and be like, I this should count. This counts. It absolutely it's should a journal. Count. For sure. <laughs> Being a dentist increased one's risk of suicide by 564%. 564%. Like let that number sink in. And that's like based on on occupational data. And so it's apparent that like we're not, you know, that I wasn't alone, that this actually is, is a problem in dentistry. And the ADA has, has been uh, pretty good. Uh, the ADA and ASDA, you know, sort of, uh, David, your experience with them, I would say they are organizations that are um, arm's length distance, but they are related, right? Is that how you would best describe that? Great description. Yeah, they, they, ASDA sort of has its own leadership and all that kind of stuff, but, but they work with the support of the ADA and vice versa. And there was actually recently um, an uh, as the national president named Juwan Lee. Do you remember Juwan? I do. I believe she was 2017, maybe 2018 national president. Um, and in her final speech to the ASDA House of Delegates, she got up and gave a speech about, you know, what she learned during dental school and her time in being in leadership at ship in ASDA. And she uh, mentioned the, the, you know, the problem with mental health and, and dentistry. And about nine months later, she jumped off to the George Washington Bridge and uh, and, and took her own life. Um, I have a friend who is a pediatric dentist in Maine named Jonathan Schenken, uh, who who took his own life. Um, my wife had a friend who she was on the ADA committee for the new dentist on named Brian Schwab from Pennsylvania, who recently took his own life. Like too many of the, too many of our own are doing it, and um, you know it's 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 something that we need to talk about more because we don't. We talk about feral effect on endodontically treated teeth. We talk about all on fours. We talk about sinuses, we talk about veneers and provisionals and, you know, lab work and scanners and all that kind of stuff. But we never want to talk about this. And this stuff is, you know, arguably even more important than all that stuff. And so, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where we, we really have to open people's eyes to this, that they're not alone, that you're not suffering alone, and that there's a lot of other dentists that are going through this too. So if that's the case, 
where do they turn? That's a great question. And uh, so there's obviously a lot of options, right? First off, you know, dentists by and large, we have pretty bad coping skills. Uh, any of you guys like want to take a stab at like average dentist coping skills, like what they are, like how dentists cope with stress and, and burnout. I would guess that pretty much every dentist likes a drink. Yeah. Drugs and alcohol are number one. Right. Um, and drugs is easy. Um, you know, dentists have such a high rate of addiction issues because we have access to things, right. We have things around our office. Um, I remember when I graduated from dental school, we had like a 500 count bottle of Lortab ES, like in the cabinet. That like we would give to patients like after that an extraction or whatever, right? And like you could order it from Henry Schein. And there was like no oversight on it, like whatsoever, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember those days. Um, obviously, like we've come around more on that, but still we have access to drugs, uh, you know, nitrous, sedative drugs, you know, uh, dentists that offer sedation oftentimes have fentanyl in their office in addition to Versed. So dr drug and alcohol addiction is, is a big part of it. Uh, gambling. Um, sex and junk food. That's how dentists cope, right? And and part of that starts in dental school. Like, do you guys remember your first big gross exam? It's usually it's most dental schools like first big exam, right? Was it that way for you guys? Yes, oh, yeah. definitely. Pam, I know you went to Tufts. David, did you go to Buffalo? Is that where you went? I did. Yeah. So so big gross exam is usually like I don't know what six weeks into school. So September or so, mid September, uh, October of, of freshman year. And what did you guys do after your first big gross exam? Do you remember? They had a huge party. It was like huge party. Yeah, it huge. was like blowout party. Blow off steam after your exam block. Exactly. So like, that's multiple what... kegs. Yeah, yeah. Can I tell that. you how crazy our party got? It, I, there's nothing better than like the the crazy gross party. Here's, here's the story. So one, there were four of us that hung around together in that, you know, first six, eight weeks, we started getting close and we studied together and we partied so hard that we were out at night. One of the guys passed out in the back seat of the car. The other three of us were like, well, we're not finished yet. Yeah. So we paper clipped a note to his shirt that said, please don't steal me and kept going out. Like to your point, like that's how bad we cope. Yeah. So we're taught in dental school. That's such a great story. Let me guess. Chippewa Street. Were you on Chippewa Street? You got it. Uh, you you should me. ask Chris Salerno one time about some of our adventures out on Chippewa Street when we went to, to visit uh, Buffalo a few years ago. Oh. Um, we learn how, like what is taught in dental school is how to work really hard and then binge drink and then work really hard and then binge drink and then work really hard and then binge drink. Then we get out of dental school and we don't have exams we have to study for anymore. So we work really hard during the day. And then we start to binge drink a little bit more often, right? And instead of just like after the gross exam every six weeks or eight weeks, it becomes a couple times a week, a couple times a week leads to three or four times a week. The next thing you know, it's every night, right? So drugs and alcohol is, is a big one. And so, you know, coping skills has always been bad for dentists. And so, you know, some of the ways that we, we get better um, are... First off, admitting that you have a problem, right? And that's kind of the hardest thing for most dentists because we have a surgical mindset when, you know, when we like we fix things, that's what we do. Um, and this isn't something that you can just fix on your own. You know, you really can't. So admitting there's a problem is number one. You know, number two, um, we talked about it a little bit like physical activity, right? Like physical activity is massive, like doing something. Um, every, there's, there's are a couple of great, um, you know, like all mental diseases are a disease of neurotransmitters, right? 
depression, anxiety, panic attacks, bipolar, all of it is, is an imbalance of neurotransmitters, right? It's not just being sad. Um, it's, it's, it's way more than that. And so, you know, our brain uh, has the ability to help level those out if we give it the food that it needs. And I don't mean like physical food. You can talk about Uchi if you want to know more about the, the <laughs> physical food. Um, I'm talking about like the, the thing, the stimulus that we need. And so there are a couple of peptides that are really important to us. One of them are endorphins. And there are two great ways to get endorphins into your system. I take that back, Pam. There's, there's one great way and one okay way. Do you have any guesses on like what the great way to get endorphins into your system is? Exercise. Exercise, I would call the okay way. Uh, oh. The great way, David, you have a guess? I'm afraid to say. <laughs> You're going to go sex, aren't you? <laughs> it is. That's a great way. It's the best way. So endorphins yeah. and, and uh, or, uh, endorphins are released by sex and exercise. And if I had my choice, I know which one I'm picking every time, right? Uh, but the problem is, is that I don't always have control of that decision. Uh, and so that's why exercise, moving your body is so important. Endorphins are basically like your body's own natural antidepressant. And it's the best antidepressant there is. And so moving your body. And of course, like in America, the problem is, is like we think exercise needs to be CrossFit or something crazy like that. You got to run eight miles. You got to go do like the Murph where you do a hundred pull-ups and like a hundred squats and run three miles and do it in under 30 minutes or, you know, all that like CrossFit stuff. Like if you're not dripping in sweat and blood by the time it's over, it wasn't worth it. Right. And I, I like, I hate that. Cause that's not what it is. Like just getting your body moving, walking around your neighborhood, walking on the treadmill for 15 minutes, doing a Peloton workout. Like even if it's a low impact one where you barely break a sweat, like just moving your body is so incredibly, incredibly important for that. And the other problem with endorphins is that they don't last very long. Our half-life is about 14 hours. And so that means you got to keep doing whatever that release is of, of endorphins frequently, you know, and David make whatever joke you want to make about that. Um, but it means you got to move your body more frequently. Right. And so, you know, four times a week, five times a week, you need to be something doing something to move your body. It doesn't have to be like huge, heavy weightlifting session anything like that. It's got to be, you know, just something. So I don't know, Pam, I know we've talked in the past about just like how hard it is to balance all of that, right? Like with all this stuff, like running a practice, you're editing DE, speaking, like all that stuff, David, you're traveling. I think you still have practice interest in Buffalo and then plus living in Florida and then the Ignite stuff, like, you know, we're just all over. And sometimes we don't get time for those things. Like at the end of a day, when you haven't moved, do you feel worse than if you would have moved around a little bit? God, 100%. Yes. yes. Yeah. To your point too, Josh, when you're on the road and you don't get to have like your routine yeah. of movement and your routine, even if, you know, whether it's, you know, feeding the Uchi way or feeding this way after a few days, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel terrible. Miserable, right. Awful. Like one of my favorite meetings is the, is the Seattle study club symposium. I love it. It's a great meeting. Um, but they start at 7am and they go to five and the old, there's like, a 15 minute break, 20 minute break in the mid morning and a 15, 20 minute break in the mid afternoon. You got 40 minutes for lunch in the middle, but like it is hardcore. And it's like, ah, do we, did we really need another lecture on biologic width? Like, <laughs> could we have taken like 45 minutes and it just all be like, let's walk on the beach all together for 40. Like, wouldn't that be more valuable than learning another lecture about biologic width? Like I'm pretty sure Garjulo and Orban hasn't changed in the last 45 minutes, like we'll be okay. We all get it. We're all good. 
Like, I just kind of wish there'd be more built in stuff with that. Like David, you said, when you're at meetings for a few days and just that like feeling by the time you get to the end of it, of just like, man, like, why am I so tired? I haven't done anything except sit in a lecture hall room for the last five days. Um, that's, that's what it is. That's, that's a huge part of what it is. Uh, Pam, I'm, I'm friends with you on Apple watch. And so I, Oh my gosh, you're like my only friend. I'm like, I think of you all the time. Yes. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like an update or whatever, but like, I, or my family just dumped me. I'm not sure, but um, (laughs) I'm like, there he is again. Josh is working out and guess who's not this one right over here. And I'm like, I think Josh thinks like, I don't wear my watch, which I, actually am i don't even know but i am so embarrassed because you kick my ass in that every day no i mean i'm not all that great at it but i notice sometimes you do a certain kind of of workout i think i've seen you do yoga a few times yeah so i do love hot yoga but it's a okay like here's the explanation train coming i used to do it all the time and i was like in the best shape of my life when i was doing it all the time And then once you get busy, it's actually really hard. So to be like a fair weather hot yogi is like really hard. Not only that, it's super sweaty. So guys can like shower in 30 seconds and like move on with their day. It's a project. So it's like one of those things that it's not just going to yoga. It's the shower. It's the like, it's like all the things. And when you have evening events that you're hosting or you have. Yeah, for sure. It just like falls off the wagon. So, yes. You will see me, your watch will buzz this weekend. I guarantee, I promise. But here's, here's my, so that's, that's kind of the the thinking of like, if I'm not dripping with sweat at the end of this, it wasn't worth it. Right. You could totally do Ashtanga yoga, Ashtanga yoga. You could do, I don't know, two or three sun salutation A's, two or three sun salutation B's primary series and be done and do a two minute Shavasana and be done. And like your body would be, you know, it would take you 15 minutes, 18 minutes. You wouldn't sweat all that much. And you'd be ready to go about your day. You would have, or, or finish your day, go on to your next meeting or whatever. You wouldn't have broken a sweat. You wouldn't have, have messed up your lashes or, or any of your makeup and, and life would, would be good and ready. So like there, there are ways to kind of build that in Peloton. I'm, you know, other than being a stockholder, um, which I'm pretty sure I've lost about, um, uh, let's just say I've lost about five figures on my stockholder, uh, uh, uh position on Peloton. Um, has like these really great 10, 15 minute yoga flows that are quick and easy to do. They're not, you know, you're doing it in your house. It's not hot yoga and save that for the weekends, you know, go do that on the weekend when you have more time, David, are you a yoga guy or no? A little bit, not like I used to be. And I miss it. It's amazing. I saw the post of the goat varietal that you did. We have done goat yoga down here in FLA, but you know, it's Florida. So we're weird. This, yeah, there's probably weirder yoga you could do in Florida. Florida man does yoga. Um, I think could could turn up some interesting search search results. I'm looking at you in a pink gingham shirt, and you've got the like the the bleached blonde hair. And I'm asking you if you do yoga, and it's like now. And it's just like, man, come on, I, I need you to like go along with the image I'm seeing here. He's of, like, no, uh, I'm too like, busy surfing. Listen, no, <laughs> I'm just adding to the gross disappointment I've been for the first 54 years over here. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it's, I see David slowly, like, uh, slowly morphing into Ken where he's just like, what's your job? Like beach, which, what do you do in dentistry? Beach prosthodontics. Like that's, that's, that's where David's going with this, with this totally. hairstyle and this, uh, be- beach on the beach. That's all we're going to do. That's right. That's all, hey, <laughs> awesome. Like I'll go with you and I'll do Invisalign and, and, and we'll, we'll knock it all out. I feel like we could be good at this. Even better. 
So like, so yoga is, is super important because yoga does a few things for us. Yoga, like, first off, like it, it helps our mind, right? Because yoga is basically like stretching and breathing, right? And so there's the meditative aspect of that. I don't know. I, I've never done hot yoga, Pam, but do, do they teach Ujjayi breathing in hot yes, yoga? Yes, they do. Okay. Yes. So Ujjayi breathing is, is basically a really like deep diaphragmatic breathing where you sort of breathe nasally. And when on the X on like the inhale and the exhale, you kind of constrict your, you know, upper oral pharynx and, and kind of control the airflow, but it really is like deep diaphragmatic breathing. The, the diaphragm uh, is innervated by the phrenic nerve, but the vagus nerve passes through the diaphragm and the vagus nerve is obviously cranial nerve 10, right? And so um, we actually get like a, a central nervous system response from using diaphragmatic breathing. And we as dentists don't breathe from our diaphragm almost at all. When you're doing a hard crown prep, you're, you're probably not breathing at all. You're stopping breathing. Um, and so I think learning kind of that diaphragmatic Ujjayi breathing that you can learn in yoga, that also, like I do that all the time. I'm working on a tough patient. Like I'm trying to just stop every minute or so, make sure I'm breathing and just doing my Ujjayi breath, like while I'm doing the procedure and it makes the procedure easier. But when you're concentrating on, yoga and and your ujjayi breathing while like you're holding a a a, a yoga pose um your, your brain kind of can't think about any other stuff like you're sort of focused on that and so there's a real deep meditative aspect to that um and, and in addition to that it's stretching which every dentist needs to do like every dentist could stand to improve their core strength to release their posterior chain like release their hamstrings a little bit and their glutes and their calves like we just all like, you know, we, we marvel at professional athletes like LeBron James, you know, like I saw something the other day that was like LeBron James, the old man of the NBA, 41 years old. And I'm just like, Jesus. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, LeBron looks, you know, everyone calls him the old man and like, oh, there's NBA coach. There's three coaches in the league that are younger than him. And he's this Marvel or whatever. And he's like young, you know? And it, he takes care of his body and dentists have much longer careers and professional athletes and we don't take care of our bodies. Right. And so just like spending a few minutes a week, stretching super duper important, super important. And the yoga part of it just adds the meditative aspect to it and it releases endorphins. So it's like a good thing to just incorporate into your weekly practice. I would say it doesn't have to be daily, weekly, weekly. Um, so that's a, a, a big part of the coping mechanism. Uh, Pam, David, you guys meditate at all, like outside of yoga, just like a pure meditation. I used to. Yeah. Puppies a lot of things used to, and I'm guessing then dental economics happened, right? Dental economics happened, get a puppy. Puppies kill a lot of extracurricular activities. <laughs> they do. Yeah. David, I think you're, you said you're 54. Yes, sir. So you, you're a child of the eighties, I would guess, right? Definitely. When I say meditation, do you think of like transcendental meditation? That that would be where I would start. But today, yeah, yeah no, it's just trying to get a little most, focus, some gratitude time. Yeah, most people, when I mention meditation, like to anybody over the age of 50, they generally think of transcendental meditation, which was really popular like in the 80s and 90s. I'm sorry, the 70s and 80s. And that was like where you would sit for like 25 to 50 minutes a, a morning on like a meditation mat and you would hum this mantra to yourself that only you knew you couldn't tell anybody else what your mantra was. And it involved, like, it was a big ask, like to spend 50 minutes of your day in the morning. So when I say meditate to, to people in their fifties, that's like immediately what they think of. They're just like, I don't have time for that. And that's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like five minutes of mindfulness breathing a day. 
And that's that that to me is what I would consider meditation. And I think like anybody has five minutes a day that they can give. Um, I'm not very good at it. So I need a guided meditation. Um, have any of you ever done a guided meditation? I yes, do. That's, that's what I do. Cause I'm terrible at it as well. Yeah. I, I can control my thoughts for about 35 seconds. And then it's yeah. just like, what do I need to do next? Like what room needs me? What's this next procedure going to be like? So guided meditation is just a voice that kind of walks you through it and it helps just keep you focused. Like you just focus on the voice and it helps you kind of block everything out. Um, and, and they always have really soothing voices, right? They're always British. Yeah, British people have the most soothing voices. It's like, I guess it makes sense. No one wants to listen to Gilbert Gottfried do a guided meditation. <laughs> if you're in Florida, no one wants to hear Donald Trump. A lot of people talking about guided meditation. Let me tell you, it's tremendous, tremendous guided meditation. Trust me. It's Just tremendous. trust me. Like you wouldn't believe. Like you wouldn't believe. Like nobody wants to listen to that. Like even if you're a hardcore Trump voter, no one wants a guided meditation from, 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 from the Donald. Um, so it's always like, like, you know, these really soothing voices and they just walk you through it. And so I keep AirPods on me at all times. I keep a sleep mask in my backpack in my desk and I'll just close the door to my office and I'll turn on a five minute guided meditation and I will just sit and do Ujjayi breathing for five minutes while I focus on that guided meditation. And it totally resets my day, totally resets my day. So I'll do it while I'm waiting for an assistant to make a provisional while I am waiting for a hygienist to call me in to anesthetize a patient for scaling or planning or, or whatever, like while I'm waiting for them to take a radiograph or whatever it is, just five minutes. And, and so, you know, I, I tell people to do this all the time. Like, I don't care where you do it, you know, do it in your private office. If you don't have a private office, do it in your car. You could do it in the break room. You could do it in the storage room, do it in the bathroom for all I care. You know, is everyone on your team going to think that you're doing a twosie when you're in there for five minutes? Like, yeah, absolutely. But who cares? Do it at the same time. I don't care. Just find five minutes a day to do it. Have the people around you noticed a difference in you? Yeah, I think I think for sure. Um, the past couple of weeks have been a little bit rougher. Um, and that's because my mom died, uh, 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 I guess, like a week ago now. Um, we're recording this at the beginning of December. Um, and so uh, like the week before that and then this week, um, I've, I've regressed a little bit. Um, but I had uh, sort of the last thing that I'm going to talk about before as as one of the tools I've used, I, I had a therapy session on Monday that really kind of helped sort of recenter my thinking on this and kind of help help get me some some uh, more intense coping mechanisms for for this time. Um, but yeah, I think by and large, I think everyone kind of around me has seen you know an, an improvement in that. And I think the biggest thing is is that I was looking for dentistry to give me this fulfillment that it never could. It was never fair to ask dentistry to give me that. Right, as much as we all love it it's still a job, right? And so we can't derive all of our, all of our meaning and being from that. Cause it's honestly, it's the least important thing that I do. You know, the, the more important things that I do are with my family and my friends and, and, and the things I do after I get out of work and all that kind of stuff, like dentistry is a job and, and to define myself by it, which I think I did for a long time. You know, I think, I think, I think that is, um, you know, I think that was part of the problem. And so, you know, those things have certainly gotten, gotten better and therapy has really helped. And I don't know if, if you guys have ever had experience with that, but, but therapy, I think has totally helped me get off of medication, um, uh, for depression, um, which, you know, I think for some, some people, I think need, need medication and therapy. And, and if that's it, if that's, if that's you, that's totally fine. I don't think there's any problem with that, but I do think there's a good number of Americans who would much rather take a pill than put in the work of therapy, right? And it'd be like, 
if you could take a pill and not have to do any oral hygiene, how many people would do it, right? If you could take a pill instead of flossing, but you know, like what if that pill has side effects and affects other things like, all right, well, and what are, you know, what cost or, or risk benefit ratio, right? And, and medications kind of like that for people who need it, they're great. I think there's a lot of people who wouldn't need their medication. They just put some work in to therapy. And that's been something that's been really beneficial to me for about the last four years of my life. I think it's really interesting because you have these tools that you practice every single day and we all will have our ups. All of us will have our downs. Some will have a really you know, hard hit like you just shared. And thank you for sharing that. And I'm so, again, sorry for your loss. But having these tools in place helps you deal with it and doesn't send you over the edge where that might be just enough for somebody who's struggling and trying to deal with this by themselves. So Josh, I mean, honestly, you said it earlier, you know, we talk about feral, we talk about margins, we talk about all of these things and it's really hard to talk about yourself. You know, it's easy to kind of talk about a tooth and a margin and a material and a cement and whatever, because it's not what's in your heart and what's, you know, on your mind. And I just, I admire you so much for sharing that. And I admire you so much for being so vulnerable with us. You know, I know I consider myself your friend and I, we're Apple watch friends. We've got to be real friends too. Right. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, I, I know these are things that we would talk about kind of like by ourselves. And I feel like for you to share this with everybody is just, it's so powerful. And I really can't thank you enough for that. So where can people follow you? Where can they find you? Where can they go to your CE? Because, you know, come on, you're Josh Austin after all. Um, Well, thank you for that. And yes, we are friends. And David, I consider you a a friend as well. We've spent uh, many a meeting in in a boardroom in Morrisville, North Carolina at the Align uh, headquarters talking about iTero and Invisalign and all that, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, you guys, uh, you guys are, are definitely my peeps. But I, the thing about that is, is I, there's so much in dentistry that's look at what I can do. Look at how great I am. You know, I'm, I look at, I follow a lot of these Instagram accounts and I'm no different. Like my Instagram account is just as full of, of BS as everyone else's where it's just beautiful cases. Right. And it's just, you know, like there's a lot of cases that don't make Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, of veneer cases where, where you'll see the preps and the provisionals and you don't see the finals, you know, it's like, Oh, I'll post that final when it's done. And then just, Oh yeah, I conveniently forgot, you know, and it's um, I, if I can just try to be a little bit more authentic about it, you know, I, I know there's, there's other people who feel the same way I do. Um, and maybe there's people out there who derive all their enjoyment and fulfillment from dentistry. God, more power to you. Um, but, but that's not me. So Instagram is a, is a good place to find me. I tell people all the time, you can find me anywhere on social media at Joshua Austin DDS, uh, except for Snapchat. Cause I'm 45 years old and any 45 year old man who's on Snapchat is up to nefarious stuff. Um, and I'm not on TikTok because I take Lipitor. And uh, they don't let people who take cholesterol medication like do lip sync videos on there. So Instagram really is the best place to find me. As far as like lectures and stuff like that, like like I'll be at Henman this year. I think I'm at the Florida Dental Conference and, and a few of those uh, Midwest Dental Conference, a few of those kind of like regional meetings and things like that. So feel free to look. Um, and uh, certainly if anybody here is is planning a meeting or is on a meeting planning uh, committee, I know of two prosthodontists, one named David Rice and, and Pam Ragliano Minis. It would be great for your for your program. And hey, let's bring me too. And let's 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 do it up the DE way, huh? Sold. I love it. Well, David, take us home. I know, Josh, I, seriously, I, I appreciate you more every single time we get to do this, whether it's sadly virtually or, or, or even better 
in person. I feel like the more I get to know you, the more, more people need to get to know you. It's, um, you're doing amazing things. I love, I love the work you're doing for you and your, you know, your family and your core people. And I think the more all of us who are here today, watching and listening, do that for ourselves, the greater the impact we're going to have on the people that really matter in our lives and ensure our practice and our patients, um, are an extension of that. So thanks for being here, Josh, Pam. It's always good to see you and to all of you watching, listening, we'll catch you next week on Dentistry Unmasked. Thank you everyone for watching or listening to the show this week. And thanks to our guests and sponsors on this episode. Please check out our social media at Dr. Pamela underscore Maragliano and at Dental Economics Official. Or you can check me out at Ignite DDS or at Dr. David Rice. And go to dentaleconomics.com to receive dental economics. You can choose to receive DE in print or digitally, and you can also get the details of our Principles of Practice Management Conference on our website. If you have topics or guests or anything you'd like to talk about on the show, send us an email to dentistryunmaskedpodcast at gmail.com, and we will do our very best to make it happen. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.